Hello and welcome to this webinar on accelerating sustainable transport in cities. I'm Anna Watson, Head of Production at Climate Action, broadcasting live from our London office. It's a pleasure to welcome so many listeners from around the globe for this afternoon's webinar. Please be aware that this session is being recorded and will be made available shortly after the webinar is complete. Just to let you know a little bit about Climate Action, for the past eight years we have worked in a unique partnership with the UN Environment Programme to develop their official publication and events in order to establish partnerships between state and non-state actors in accelerating green economic growth. Today's webinar is part of a series that addresses key climate change related topics in the run-up to the Sustainable Innovation Forum taking place on the 7th and 8th of December in Paris at COP21. Officially endorsed by the French government and taking place at Stade de France, over the last five years, the forum has become the largest business-focused side event at the COP. This year, we expect to welcome 750 delegates and 80 speakers across the two-day event. Today's webinar is run in conjunction with the BMW Group, a key supporter of the Sustainable Innovation Forum. Which brings me on nicely to the topic of today's webinar, how best to accelerate sustainable transport within cities. With a global transportation system contributing between 20 and 25% of all CO2 emissions, the need for sustainable urban mobility solutions is pressing. The issue is compounded as vehicle numbers rocket in urban areas, creating issues around local air and noise pollution that will disproportionately affect the areas in which up to 66% of the global population will live and work by 2050. EVs offer a powerful and increasingly popular solution in achieving sustainable urban mobility, with the European market growing by 37% in 2014 to bring global EV deployment to 740,000 vehicles. There have also been successes in approaches such as car sharing, with 220,000 drivers utili utilising such an approach in Paris, removing 31,000 vehicles from the road. Today we welcome three complimentary speakers representing a mobility solutions provider, local government and a global institution to explore the following questions on integrating electric vehicles and more sustainable transportation options into urban environments. What is the latest in electric vehicle and supporting technology development? What infrastructure is needed to support mainstream dissemination? And how can city planning policy be reimagined to best integrate sustainable mobility requirements? I'm very happy to welcome Dr. Bernhard Platel, Vice President of Mobility Services at BMW Group, who will share with us the organization's vision of the mobility solutions that will shape the future of urban living. We're also joined by Jose Vegas, Secretary General of the International Transport Forum of the OECD, who will address some of the macro issues around political and societal considerations around sustainable transport deployment. And last but not least, Sergei Alguer Calero, Councillor for the Transport Board of the Government of Barcelona, will share the city's experiences around encouraging sustainable transportation measures over the last four years. Um, don't forget to submit your questions to our presenters. Um, using hashtag CIF15 on Twitter or via the questions box um, on the GoToWebinar panel at the side of your screen. Um, and with that, I shall hand over to our first panellist, Dr. Patel of the BMW Group. Dr. Patel, the floor is yours. Hello, everybody. Also in the name of uh, the BMW Group, uh, hello, Jose. Great to be on a panel with you again. And uh, Anna, if you can uh, go to the next uh, slide, please. Um, shaping urban mobility uh, together uh, is the topic uh, of, of my talk. Uh, well, what is urban mobility about currently? Maybe if you go to the next slide, Anna, please. Um, you see a spotlight and I think on these uh, pictures you see basically two things. Uh, one is the problems that mobility, especially in urban areas, is currently causing all the way from congestion to pollution, maybe to increased costs. But you also see another aspect here which is possible solutions to the problem and the solutions are new vehicle concepts, also especially electric mobility. You see connectivity and you see new business models here um, represented, uh, for example, through the sharing economy. And uh, for, for us at BMW, we are convinced that 
uh, if we play it uh, smartly, uh, we have a great chance uh, in the next years to bring two things that on first glance are maybe contradictory uh, together, uh, which on one hand is the demand of the people, the citizens, the customers to stay mobile even in increasing urban areas and on the other hand the um, of course important and valid requirement of the city developers for sustainable development uh, in the city. Now um, for BMW this is not a really a new topic because maybe Anna if you go to the next slide uh, already with uh, the introduction of our new uh, BMW i brand uh, about uh, uh, four years ago, uh, we said that uh, BMW i will stand for two things. On one hand, uh, revolutionary vehicles, but also uh, combined with that, uh, new service models. And in the next uh, five to ten minutes, I would like uh, to give you an overview uh, where we stand uh, currently uh, with these activities. Um, Anna, if you move to the next slide, um, you see here uh, six uh, pictures. If I start on the upper left pictures, of course, uh, the first part are our cars, the BMW i3 and i8. Um, the uh, uh, I think uh, first cars uh, worldwide that are really uh, completely designed for electric mobility on a new uh, architecture with a carbon fiber uh, body. Uh, so that's one of the uh, cornerstones uh, of our activities. Um, but to go further, as we said, we also want to, want to introduce uh, uh, services. Um, here's some examples. Uh, the first one is our car sharing um, activity Drive Now. And maybe, Anna, if you go to the next slide, we have some more details here about uh, Drive Now. Um, Drive Now is a flexible car sharing system where you can uh, pick up. Um, the car uh, flexible uh, on the street in a city, you can drive it uh, everywhere and return it uh, to some other place within uh, the city. We have about 470 customers uh, uh, currently um, in eight uh, cities. We know uh, from our customer surveys um, that um, about 30% uh, of the customers have already or are thinking about um, getting uh, rid of their current car or not uh, purchasing a new car. Um, the other, I think, very uh, good message about uh, Drive Now is also that it is a great multiplier for the usage of electric cars. We have already uh, introduced uh, three years ago our Active E electric cars into the fleet and uh, already with this, let's say, small uh, pilot uh, we have uh, had uh, over 60,000 uh, customers experience uh, electric mobility, electric driving and I think really the big, big majority of them were really uh, excited about uh, electric uh, driving. And uh, we have just recently uh, put in the first uh, 100 i3 cars into DriveNow in Germany. We are also currently fleeting them into our DriveNow enterprise in San Francisco and uh, stay tuned, uh, there's much uh, more to come. Um, now the second picture goes to parking. Now you may say, well BMW is the ultimate driving machine, what does it have to do with parking? Well, there's two important messages here. On one hand, we know that parking is a major pain point of our customers, but we also know that parking is a major pain point of the cities. There is studies that show that 30%, up to 30%, sometimes even more, of the traffic in a city uh, stems from 
search for parking. And that's why we said this is another initiative uh, where we want uh, to be active and we have already launched it in a small scale in San Francisco and we are planning to launch it on a larger scale uh, by the end of the year. What it means is as a customer who searches for a parking spot, you are guided to either an on-street parking spot that with a high probability is available or you can also uh, reserve a parking spot in a parking garage and we are uh, hopeful that this will also help the customers and also help be a contribution to reduce the parking search traffic. Um, of course together with electric mobility goes charging. Charging is a very important enabler uh, for electric driving. That's why from the beginning we said together with our iCars we want to give the customer a convenient method to also charge their cars in a public infrastructure. And here we, we were very early, we saw the problem that in many countries there is a relatively splitted environment of public charging infrastructure. So for example, if you would really want in Germany to go from Hamburg uh, to Munich and you want to charge your car on the way, you'd have to probably buy 10 or more different charging accounts and cards to charge your car. And that's what ChargeNow uh, uh, does differently. Here you have with one account, with one card, access to currently 30,000 charging points worldwide with one account. However, we can only give access to charging infrastructure where the infrastructure exists. So here we are also convinced that there's much more that needs to happen. So we as BMW Group try to help initiating programs to set up, build up public charging infrastructure and we are part of some of the European but also American programs also worldwide to increase public charging infrastructure. Now those were examples where we as BMW or together with partners are driving uh, certain services. Uh, in addition to that uh, we also realized very quickly there's much more going on about um, mobility services in the world and a lot of the innovation comes from uh, startup companies. And just in the recent years we, we see an exploding uh, number of um, of startups that deal with mobility. That's why we founded four years ago a company called BMW iVentures that invests in startups uh, with a focus on mobility. To give you one example, it's a company that was formerly called Park at My House, now it's called Just Park, which is basically an eBay uh, for parking. It's a company based in London and you can uh, put your private parking spot you, uh, in your driveway into the system, you can make some money and a happy customer does not have to search for parking uh, but can use your parking spot for the time where you don't need it. Uh, another example is a company we recently invested in with, which is Moveit. Moveit is the worldwide leader of uh, giving access or giving information for public transport, how to get in a city from A to B. They have currently more than 20 million customers are present in almost 600 cities. So this also should show that we are convinced that mobility is, is in urban areas especially more than just cars, but we need to look at it in a holistic picture. We need to also focus on intermodal uh, transport uh, scenarios where you use different means of uh, traffic. Um, but we think that's just the beginning and that's why we have created a um, team uh, that should um, establish a multi-stakeholder approach to go uh, even uh, further. And uh, um, what you see here is a picture uh, that's the uh, right on the bottom uh, slide, uh, the picture that you see on this slide. It's a vision 
of a possible scenario in a city in the future. Um, what you would normally see in this street is uh, no grass, uh, no car sharing, no bike sharing, but all the spaces are blocked through cars that are parked there. Now, many of these cars are probably heavily used, so this is nothing that we think uh, needs to be changed, but there may be also a quite significant fraction of these cars that may be used only once a week. Uh, and just for special purposes, but the owner says I still need it and that's why I keep my car and that's why this car uses the space in the city. Now imagine this will change and these owners say well actually it's much better to get rid of my car and I have some alternatives that whenever I need the car I can very conveniently use it. And if this would happen then the scenario you see on this picture could become realistic, which means a lot of the space in the street is freed up. It is used for people's recreational purposes, but it is also used for bike sharing schemes, it is used for charging stations for electric cars and availability of car sharing cars. And we think this is a possible direction to go where we, of course, need the combined effort of us as a possible service provider, but the city, the different branches in the city, and of course we think a very close dialogue with the citizens, because a step like this you can only do if you really involve the citizens and, and get a win-win situation for everybody. Um, so I think this is basically um, the story. Um, that's where we are standing, what we are uh, 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 working on, and uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, that's the status, and uh, I'm happy uh, to hear uh, your questions uh, later on. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Patel. That was a great presentation. Um, I'll now hand over to Jose Vegas. Oh, sorry, just unmute you, Jose. There you go, Jose. Um, the floor is yours. Yep. Okay, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everybody, and hi, Bernard. Uh, nice to be with you again on these things. Um, I must say at the upfront that uh, we did not arrange our presentations in any way, but as you will see, some of the things I'll be saying fit very well to what Bernard was saying. Can I have the next slide, please? So it's basically the motto is it's not only about the vehicles, it's even more about how they are used. Next slide, please. And if we're speaking electric vehicles, sorry, you went one too far. Is the first slide on electric cars are still a small part. Yes. Worldwide, um, the plug-in cars in 2014 were sold 283,000. But for electric two-wheelers, it was something like 6 million. That means 20 times more. Most sales were in China, and this was leveraged by a ban on combustion engine powered two-wheelers in many urban centers. If you go now to any big city in China, you see this huge fleet of electric uh, bicycles and motorbikes, and this has been a radical transformation from what happened a number of years ago. It's really easy to do this with these very light vehicles because even if you use the traditional lead-acid batteries, the range is very compatible with the kind of distances that these people want to do for their commuting. So it's really very convenient. What we found is that the sales of electric power two-wheelers are now mostly stagnated and it's the e-car sales, e sales that is growing strong. So probably, hopefully, in something like five to eight years, the sales of cars will be at the level that the um, two-wheel bikes, the two-wheel um, electric vehicles are now. Next slide, please. And what we see is that the sale of e-cars still today is strongly limited by what is normally called the range anxiety. People think, I cannot buy an electric car because Occasionally, I need on the weekend 
to make this long trip from Hamburg to Munich or if you want to put it on my Portuguese side from Lisbon to Madrid or to Barcelona, something like that. So that would be the kind of concern that people would have. And this must be said, is concerned with ownership of the vehicle and the loss of flexibility. So our argument is that the quickest and the most efficient way to accelerate the penetration of electric vehicles would be to move as, master, as much as possible, as quickly as possible, to the concept of mobility as a service that is the shared use of those vehicles. And if you look at what is the real utilization of the vehicles by the private citizens who own them, we see that the largest part of the fleet could be in the today very common 100 kilometer range. This covers the largest, largest majority of the demand cases and you would need to have a small part of the fleet, 5% or less, in the range of 300 kilometers, which you could still do today with an electric vehicle or because it's less than 5%, you could still do with a combustion engine. If I am right, I believe that when BMW introduced the i3, they had a solution along these lines saying, if you are buying an i3, we will um, lend you a combustion engine car for so many days a year, for the days, for the few days in which you have to travel more than the range of the car. I don't know whether the program is still on. Next slide, please. If we go for car sharing, we also know from a number of cases, I would say more than two dozen cases in which there is uh, scientific literature available, that this leads to a more limited and more rational use of the car. So people do fewer trips per day and they organize their mobility to take advantage of the car on a smaller number of occasions. And so this is to some extent also favoring the reduction of emissions and of congestion because there will be fewer vehicle kilometers. If we want to push it even further, some cities have already started introducing clean vehicle access are only Euro 6 vehicles or Euro 5 and 6 vehicles. We could even go to only um, electric vehicles and those cities could be associated with the promotion of shared car schemes. So there's, there's a lot of things that can be done, but it's not just about promoting the innovation in the vehicle, it's really about how they are used. The ITF has been doing some very innovative work on the concept of shared rides, not just shared cars, but shared rides. And what we see is that by having several people share the same trip in the same car, that goes even further. We can reduce the total number of cars substantially, and the most recent results we have, you can also reduce the total number of vehicle kilometers at the peak hour and the corresponding emissions. So there's a lot of promise in this. Finally, last slide, there is also today already a significant field of potential application and I would say added value by deploying electric vans in professional fleets involved in urban distribution. And the range and the loading capacity are very adequate to many, many uh, cases of the market requirements in many of our cities and they will have lower operating costs. So even if they are a bit more expensive at the purchase time, they will be much more convenient. And so really by having the deployment of these electric cars in professionally managed fleets, both for car sharing and for the urban logistics, we can accelerate the, their penetration in the market and so achieve more quickly a sustainable transportation in our cities. And that's all for me in this presentation. Thank you so much, Jose. That was great. Um, I've just been informed that Sergey Alergi Calero is running a few minutes late to join us for his presentation, um, as he's just getting off a plane in Mallorca. Um, therefore, in the meantime, uh, Dr. Patel and Jose, it'd be great to um, ask you a few questions regarding your presentations, and then we'll give Sergey a few more minutes uh, to arrive. Um, and if we have time, we can jump to his presentations, and um, he can answer some questions for us also. Um, so allow me to just unmute both of you gentlemen. Um, so we've been having many questions through from our panelists, sorry, our um, attendees, and also through Twitter as well. So thank you, everyone. Um, a question that's come through a lot, um, I think it relates to both presentations, is that in terms of um, coordinating aims around 
building more charging infrastructure and making sort of policy equal across many different city governments. Um, surely there are challenges. Um, it'd be great if one of you could maybe sort of answer in terms of how best it is to sort of work with cities. I guess there's many challenges. Um, so sort of how have you approached um, sort of the fragmentation of what needs to happen? You want to start, Bernard? Yeah, I can. I can uh, start. Um, I think from our ex experience, um, it is uh, important that you come from the targets of the city, um, not from the solution, but to come from the targets. What does a city really want to achieve? Do they want to uh, facilitate more mobility? Do they want to re reduce pollution? Is it the mixture of both? Is it other things? So I think it needs to be starting from the target. Then a second, uh, uh, I, we think, very important aspect is that then in a city you have a very clear responsibility because depending on the structure of the city, implementing things like electric mobility, car sharing can range through five different entities in the city and then you have a problem of coordination. So we think that one uh, a person in charge for the whole uh, implementation is, is, is very uh, important. Um, then we think also it is very important to involve the citizens in the discussion because uh, we have seen cases where just one or two people that just didn't get a parking spot because it was occupied by a car sharing car that, that they can of course um, um, be angry and you need to have a common understanding why this is still good for the overall majority of the people. Then coming more specifically to the methods and the topic of electric mobility, we think, and that's I think in line of what Jose said, that electric car sharing can maybe um, cut through the catch-22. The catch-22 currently is um, the charging infrastructure, people say, well, there's no really business case for charging infrastructure because there's not ele enough electric cars. The electric car customers say, well, I would maybe buy an electric car, but in the case I need public infrastructure, there's not enough um, available. Now, with electric car sharing, you can put in at once a, let's say, large number of electric cars into a city area, which is then absolutely relying on the public infrastructure because with car sharing cars in contrast to private electric cars which are many times of course charged at home and may not need to be charged in public so many times, car sharing cars would immediately put load on the charging infrastructure. That's why we think the combination of electric car sharing charging infrastructure and parking regulation can really well go together and help to cut through this possible catch-22 that you currently have sometimes. Let me just add a few things. I could subscribe to all that Bernard just said. I think we are now in the face of showing that the solutions are possible. So it's really a phase of dissemination and affirmation, making people believe that this is possible. So persuading a significant number or sufficient number of the people who take decisions in the city that there are mature solutions that are ready to go. And as I said, I believe that the easiest way to go is by this professionally managed uh, shared cars, uh, shared car fleets, because they would be able to have solutions in which the investment for the cars would go hand in hand with the investment for the charging and the charging could even be done probably in many cases already in built up parking spaces in garages even if you don't want to sacrifice places on the street because the studies show that when people go into shared cars and Bernard also said that about his clients many of them will no longer buy a car or not even replace the car they have, they will sell it. So you will be releasing some need for parking gradually. So it is possible to be done. 
and it has to be done with the cities. The priorities in each city will be slightly different from the next city, but we are still in the phase in which cities have to believe. In the International Transport Forum, we are now in the phase in which we are going to be presenting this to our member states' governments and to city governments, and many of them still, by the reactions we see, they still think this is something that is now in this phase which could be called like a nice promise, a nice expectation, but not yet actionable. And our mission is to tell them if we do it properly, it is already actionable, but we have to do it in an organized way. So this is really the stage of the game in which we are. Great, thank you, Jose. Um, we have a question from Claire Linton on Twitter that sort of leads on from that. Um, she was asking what policy mechanisms are needed for shared mobility. So, I mean, in terms of sort of examining the aims of different cities, are there particular policies that are coming through that are successful in driving this kind of transformation? Um, I guess, Dr. Latal, perhaps you could address that first. Yeah, I, I think um, um, the most important uh, part, as we said, we want to do the implementation of these shared car uh, fleets uh, together with the city and uh, of course uh, the most important enabler from the city perspective is parking. So the, the cars uh, need uh, to have uh, access to uh, on-street parking and we also know from our pilots on-street park parking is really the most important thing because then the cars become visible, people start to think about oh what are these cars good for and they start to use them more and more. Of course in particular areas parking garages can also be helpful but um, the majority is parking spaces and here um, uh, an important part is also in many cities you have some percentage of the on-street parking spaces that are basically available by uh, uh, paying a par by getting a ticket for parking or, or feeding the parking meter and there are some uh, spaces reserved exclus exclusively uh, for the uh, people that live in this area and in many cases we see that cities are very hesitant to give uh, away these um, parking spaces that are only reserved for people that live in the street to car sharing and we think that's wrong because in that way you um, uh, you prefer uh, par, par, uh, car ownership over uh, shared use and, and, and we think uh, the parking should be available for also people that say I don't uh, possess a car but I want to use a sharing car why shouldn't they be allowed to also uh, park in these uh, areas so this is one we think key aspect yeah, let me build up on that I totally agree the most important lever for using your car or not using your car is the availability of parking and the risk of not having a parking place the solution that we may want in each city to have to push a speeder a faster penetration of the electric cars and the car sharing is really to go and discuss in the neighborhoods and speak to the inhabitants and say we should have a certain percentage of the parking places in this area reserved for shared cars and many of you use your car so little that you could actually change from owning a car to using a shared car and in that respect whenever you use it it is available it is probably not the fairest thing in terms of use of public resources that someone has a car that moves less than an hour per day and freely occupies in many cities this is free freely occupies 12 and a half square meters of public space just because he happens to own a car so in terms of fairness in terms of allocation of public resources it is certainly much better to have that space available for shared cars than just for the residents. Of course, residents have an important political role because they vote. So this has to be done with careful exercises of persuasion and showing them, even on the costing side, that for many of them it will be cheaper to use a shared car 
than to own a car with its depreciation and insurance costs, etc. So it's a way that has to be traveled carefully, but certainly has some positive outcome possible. Yeah, I'd like to add uh, exactly to your last point and that I really support, I think it's important we have to convince the citizens uh, to that they have a more attractive offer if they use the shared cars we should not try to force them because that would lead to opposition. So I think we should drive them with attractive uh, uh, offers exactly in the direction that you said, Jose. Great. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, we've had a question through um, from a politician in Serbia um, whose name I haven't got, but he, he sort of... Um, was wondering how it's sort of possible to finance this kind of infrastructure. He's specifically looking at um, a town of like the town of Belgrade um, for about two million citizens. So in terms of sort of enacting these policies and having the money to put into this infrastructure, um, sort of how do you see this happening? Um, I can address. Let, Dr. Let, me, in let, the me, let me start. Let me take, let me take the first shot at this one. Sure. Um, one of the things we see is that it is, I mean, the amount of capital that is um, being used and underused, in fact, in the private cars is huge. And in our simulations with shared rides and also with shared cars, you see that it is quite easy to reduce the total number of cars in a city to less than 50%. In fact, in the most radical configurations with shared rides, you can even go down to 5% of the total number of cars today. So there is a lot of capital that is being misallocated. I think that the because my, our suggestion is to have this um, deployment of electric cars associated with shared cars, shared cars um, um, initiatives, the cost of the infrastructure to charge those shared cars should be part of the cost of the shared cars exercise. And this should be done in conjunction with other, the, other policy um, guidelines, policy actions by the city, but we don't see the need that this should be paid by the taxpayer in general if it is going mostly through the shared cars. It should be part of the price of the shared car supply. Um, maybe let, let me add to that. Um, I think um, that's where car sharing can help because if you in one step have a significant number of electric cars in the city that help using the infrastructure, of course you can uh, generate revenue um, much quicker. But there's also some, um, some other innovative ideas and uh, we at BMW have presented last year at the EuroCities conference a concept we call light and charge and the idea behind that is that a lot of the street lighting uh, today um, can already um, have a great impact if you change it to LED lighting and I think we once did a calculation that if you for example would replace this completely in Munich, the energy you save uh, could be used to, and don't cite me at the exact number, but I think five to 10,000 electric cars. Uh, so, so that's an innovative thing, and you could even combine the light uh, poles with a charging station. Uh, so here you have an maybe easier way to uh, get additional uh, charging infrastructure. So I think there's creative ways to also uh, finance and uh, uh, propagate uh, a charging infrastructure in the city. Great. Let me still add something on this point, which is, to as Bernard was saying in his first intervention, there's this catch-22 thing, why should we be investing in charging infrastructure if there's not enough cars? If you put it together in the same investment package, the cars and the charging infrastructure, in fact, you, you don't run a risk of the charging infrastructure because the cars will be there to use it. So it's really a combined action. This may be having to have some policy push from the municipality, but that, as we said before, can be done, at least in, in theory, quite easily by managing the offer of the different types of parking spaces. 
Thank you, Jose. Um, I mean, just in terms of talking about infrastructure, we had a question from Ana Marquez on the, um, I think it was through Twitter, or it might have been through the questions, um, who was wondering who typically owns um, sort of the public charging infrastructure. You mentioned that taxpayers shouldn't shouldn't necessarily input into this, but um, who does the ownership fall to ultimately? My concept is that the car sharing company should own or lease the cars and the charging infrastructure if it is mostly for its own cars. Okay. They would have a license from the municipality to install this on the public space, probably not have to pay the rent for that because there's also positive externalities for the city, but the, the charging infrastructure, just like the cars, should be part of the investment of this company who would be managing the car sharing exercise. Uh, here I would like to add to this and uh, maybe uh, give a little bit a different aspect. Um, the, um, let's say the whole um, car sharing scheme um, is, still, uh, is still growing and uh, I think uh, it is important uh, that, uh, that these car sharing schemes also um, are sustainable in a sense that they are profitable businesses, otherwise they will not increase uh, to grow. And, uh, also, and, 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 and that's why I think, um, and we also are uh, for competition in car sharing. We are absolutely thinking that it is helpful if there's more than one company offering car sharing so the customers have some choice. And furthermore, there is not only, of course, that we hope in the future, electric car sharing cars in the city, but we still hope that also ownership cars will more and more become electric cars. And that's why I think, um, I don't think it's, it's that simple that uh, the car sharing company should um, um, uh, should should really build uh, their their own infrastructure. I mean, we see this already independent on on on, on car sharing, the the um, charging infrastructure in general. Uh, there has been uh, an OEM that has built his own proprietary uh, charging infrastructure, and we think that's the wrong way. Just imagine that in earlier days, the, uh, all the OEMs would have decided to build their own gas stations. Uh, I don't think that would have been reasonable. So we still think it needs to be an own business, uh, the, the, the charging infrastructure, uh, by, but I agree that it will be helpful to have car sharing cars because of course, uh, we as the caching provider, we are ready to pay for the electricity and also for the service and that should be a big step for the infrastructure uh, provider uh, to make a profitable business out of this. But ideally, not only through one car sharing provider, but to many others and also to uh, car ownership uh, cars uh, that uh, um, will become more in the future. I can agree to that, Bernard, um, no problem. My point is mainly it should not be paid by the general taxpayer. So if you have an electric utility or a new company who is willing to make that investment in association with one or more car sharing companies, perfect. But it should be when you start a car sharing operation in a city, the car sharing probably together with the city should go looking for who is the company who is willing to make that investment and then collect the price for the electricity we get from their installation, but not the taxpayer in general. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. That's the most important thing. Great, thank you, gentlemen. Um, I'm aware that we've been talking quite a lot um, about implementation at a city level. Um, we've had a question through from Sandy Taylor um, that sort of looks at wider policy. So he's stated um, that the UK government has just changed their carbon tax which would appear to reduce the carbon advantages of EVs um, and will this affect the UK market for electric vehicles? Um, I mean, Jose, I don't know whether you want to comment on that, maybe not specifically for the UK, but looking at general sort of carbon taxing and pricing throughout Europe? Yes, I mean, if the price of carbon emissions goes up and this is reflected in the fuel prices and the gasoline price or diesel price and um, so there will be a, an additional comparative advantage of the electric cars, but as I said before, and I think Bernard 
agreed with me on that point. Um, the most important constraint today is this called range anxiety and then the lack of infrastructure. It's not some people know that already today the operating costs of an electric car are at least five times lower than that of a combustion engine car. I don't think this is the decisive action. Going from one-fifth to one-sixth is not a big deal. This is not the game changer. The game changer has to be the availability of the infrastructure and people understanding that the range anxiety can very quickly be solved, totally easily solved, by going to sharing, renting different cars in different days depending on your mobility needs. It's not about the price of the fuel. Thank you, Jose. Bernard, did you want to add anything? Well, I think um, that um, we all agree that uh, electric mobility, the infrastructure, all things uh, associated to it uh, need to become um, normal businesses, profitable business uh, products that the customers um, uh, like and like to use. Uh, on the other hand, we all know it's a, let's say, young uh, technology and industry, and I think what the current situation shows that, of course, there is ways of, of governments and cities to advance using of this technology. If, and if we look at different countries, for example, uh, Norway, there is already a very high penetration of electric cars, I think it's up to 20%, because they have very stringently introduced measures to help people uh, getting very quickly used and accept electric mobility. There's other examples where the percentage of electric cars is still very low, because there is not much support. And support does not only mean just buying incentives. Of course, they're helpful, but support could mean charging possibilities, parking regulations, and so on and so on. So um, it is not only up to the free market, but I think the regulator can really do a lot of things to help speeding up electric mobility. Of course, not in the sense that it should be a business that needs to have help for the next 10 years, but to at least um, speed it up and get a higher penetration in a shorter time. Great, thank you, Dr. Patel. Um, I still had no word from Sergi, and he's yet to join the webinar, so I don't think we will have time for his presentation, um, but perhaps just have time for one or two more questions. Um, let me just have a look through the ones we've received. Thank you, everyone, for sending so many through. Um, I have one specifically um, for BMW here, um, Dr. Patel, um, about compressed air. Um, can compressed air technology in cars be an alternative? Uh, we, are, we, are, we are always looking at, uh, at, at, at new uh, technologies and we're always uh, checking uh, what are uh, uh, possible alternatives. I, at the moment, we have two clear focus points. The biggest one is very clearly electric mobility. We think that's really the currently um, available technology that can really help us to um, achieve uh, the CO2 uh, target and it's the one that's, that, that's available and immediately usable. Um, and the second uh, thing we're also looking at um, is uh, fuel cell technology with hydrogen where we see that could be on the long run an additional area. So that's the two things we are really currently concentrating on. Thank you, Dr. Platel. Um, and um, I think we've got time for perhaps a final question just to get um, the views of both you gentlemen. Um, there's sort of a lot of talk about the multi-stakeholder dialogue and um, um, integrating the opinions and the views of non-state actors and state actors in the run-up to COP21. Um, I mean, how do you see um, sort of this this conversation sort of happening in the future to best facilitate um, sort of the vision that you gentlemen have laid out? Well, as I said, I was saying, I think this um, regarding climate change, 
I think that we have now come to the stage in which there is very, very widespread acknowledgement of the issue, there is awareness, and most people, at least in Europe, I would say from the most, the many, many travels I make and speaking to many people, are very concerned and I would say willing to support governmental action on that. So we've come to a point in which policy action towards um, mitigation of problems coming from climate change is now, um, policy action is very possible. I think that in any case, um, I hope very much and I'm convinced that there will be an agreement at COP21, but I'm also sure that there will be a COP22 and a COP23. One of the most important things that we have to achieve in COP21 is not only to have a general agreement, but also to have targets and to have monitoring mechanisms that allow us to adjust the levers, adjust, adjust the valves in the system so that we can then have a controlled trajectory to reach those targets. And this is something in which, as we move along, the technology of the electric vehicles will be improving, but also the perception of the population and of the politicians that this is something that, if you do it properly, can be deployed now, can be deployed quite soon, carefully, but quickly. And this is possible, and this is the way I'm seeing it going. So, in a way, the whole discussion around COP21 facilitates this convergence of attention that will allow more cities to be willing to move towards this higher presence of electric vehicles in our cities. Well, maybe let me add from my side. Uh, we, as BMW, really strongly uh, support uh, the, the, the climate target and the measures that are necessary, and that's um, from different perspective on one hand, and I think that's, of course, the key that we know it, it has to be done uh, to, um, uh, to, to, to um, secure uh, our, our living uh, environment, uh, but also um, we think of, of it uh, from a, um, a product point of view. We think that the future of a premium product has to be Mobility, uh, sustainability, uh, a premium product that is not on the long run also sustainable or a product range uh, will will not match together very well. That's why we did this step of creating the BMW i brand that stands for innovative but also sustainable urban mobility. And we know that these products need to go with concepts. Uh, of, 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 of cities um, to, uh, to have uh, people use them in a convenient and, and, and the right way. And that's why the key topic of my, of my talk was um, that we need to shape urban mobility together with all the stakeholders involved. All right, well, thank you so much, um, Dr. Bernard and um, Jose. I think we're going to have to leave it there. Um, thank you so, so much for your presentations and for answering the questions. Um, I'm sorry that we couldn't get through any more. Um, and I'm also sorry that Sergi Halerge Calero is, um, must be stuck in an airport, and I'm sorry that he has been unable to join us. Um, his presentation slides will be available as part of the podcast. We will send to all attendees, so you will have his slides. Um, but yes, thank you so much, um, and thank you once again. Um, I hope to uh, see you in our next podcast in September. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you very much, Anna. Thank you.